Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Father-Son Packers podcast, your source for Packers news, notes, and analysis. My name is Tommy, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my dad, Matt. Dad, how are you doing? Doing all right. Here for uh, week lucky number 13. Yeah. Previewing the game. Previewing this upcoming game against the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football on NBC. Very exciting. Waiting all day for a Sunday night. We've been waiting all week for a Sunday night, it feels like. Just a few more days to go. But, Dad... So much to preview for this game. The Packers are five and six, currently in eighth place in the NFC, right there and right there behind seventh and sixth, the Seahawks and Vikings. Seahawks at six and six after losing tonight. We are recording Thursday night after the Thursday night football game. Seahawks at we're six. We're tied and six. with we're tied with both of them in the loss column now. Yeah. Seahawks at six and six after losing to the Cowboys tonight. Vikings at six and six after losing to the Bears on Monday night football. Packers are right there behind them at five and six. I'm just saying, anything is possible. But like my dad said, we are here to preview everything about this Chiefs game coming up. We're going to give you everything you need to know in terms of how each team's offense looks, how each team's defense looks, little nuggets to keep an eye on, stuff to look stuff to look forward to, stuff to maybe be a little bit concerned about. But before we get into any of that, just wanted to pre- uh, pitch a couple of things, so to speak. If you like what you hear here today, come give us a follow on Twitter at Father Son Packer. We tweet out when we have articles we find interesting, some stats that we found during research for one of these episodes. Whenever we have new episodes, we tweet that out, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. One-stop shopping for everything Titletown. And then subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We even put all our episodes out on YouTube. I am, so if you can subscribe to us there, it would really help our numbers. But dad, let's get into this, but let's start with some Packers news uh, because there are a couple of roster moves just to check up on before we start talking about this game in earnest. And the main ones are that the Packers have cut wide receiver Bo Melton and running back James Robinson from the 53 and re-signed them to the practice squad. They had been brought up or signed to the 53, rather, for the Thursday night game against the Lions when the Packers were especially shorthanded. And then the Packers cut corner Anthony Johnson from the practice squad. This is not the Anthony Johnson Jr. that they drafted. This is the other Anthony Johnson from the same draft class. We know it's confusing, but Anthony Johnson Jr. from Iowa State is still on the team. And then they signed Joel Wilson, tight end, to the practice squad. Not the best athlete, only a 4.32 relative athletic score. Uh, remember, that is out of 10. Uh, but for him, a lot of that has to do with his size. Just six foot three and a half inches, 242 pounds, which is a bit on the smaller side for a tight end. Decent agilities, not the best bench press, not the greatest athlete. You know, just something to keep an eye on. I think they probably felt like they needed to add someone, what with, you know, Musgrave having an injury, being on IR, etc., etc. Um, but Dad, speaking of injuries, should we get into the injury report for this game uh, and start reading off, you know, a laundry list once again for Green Bay, and then uh, you know, a shorter list for their opponents? It seems once again. That seems to be our magic formula. I mean, it's wor- it worked last week, so it worked last week, right? <laughs> run it, run it back. But anyway, so just going through the injury report for the Packers. Remember, this is Thursday, so we do not have official designations until tomorrow. Uh, but these are the practice reports for Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, for the Packers, Jair Alexander has been a limited participant both Wednesday and Thursday with that same shoulder injury. Um, although they did say today, the coaching staff, that it seems like he's been the best that he has been with this shoulder injury so far and that they are you know, pleased with how he's looked through two days and that if he's feeling good on Friday, that that's at least a decent sign that he should probably be able to go or at least an optimistic. Maybe that's just an optimistic take, but that's at least seems to be what they're saying. Devontae Campbell, with that neck injury that he had that kept him out last week, has been limited both Wednesday and Thursday as well. 
Kenny Clark with a shoulder injury was limited Wednesday and Thursday. Josiah DeGuara with that same hip injury that he missed last week with was limited Wednesday and Thursday. A.J. Dillon, uh, groin injury, did not participate in practice on Wednesday, but was limited today, Thursday. Rudy Ford with a biceps and now also a groin injury uh, was limited both Wednesday and Thursday. Rashawn Gary, shoulder injury, limited Wednesday and Thursday. Aaron Jones with that same knee injury, like we said before, probably going to be a decent amount of time till we see him again, but at least not on the IR, so hopefully maybe only one or two more games. Didn't participate in practice uh, Wednesday or, or today. Uh, Keyshawn Nixon, wrist injury, has been a full participant, but he is on the injury report. Jaden Reed, chest injury, has not participated in practice Wednesday or Thursday. But according to Bill Huber, uh, Jaden Reed said that he had not had a setback with that chest injury, but just that it was a type of injury that only rest was going to be able to have him heal. And so he's just taken the two days of off, two days off of practice because of that. And that, you know, it seems that they're hopeful that he'll be able to go this weekend. Uh, Robert Rochelle, who had that great special teams play against the Lions, uh, was a limited participant Wednesday and then did not participate on Thursday with a calf injury. Darnell Savage is still dealing with that calf injury, but he was a full participant Wednesday and Thursday. And, you know, it's looking more and more likely that they're going to have him back very shortly, probably for this game. Eric Stokes, hamstring limited and limited. Uh, Still don't have him back yet off of that uh, designation. But, you know, hopefully we'll be able to see him again at some point this year. Uh, Dontavian Wicks with that knee injury. Uh, limited and limited on Wednesday and Thursday. And then Devontae Wyatt, D-line, heel, full participant both Wednesday and Thursday, though doesn't seem like something that's going to keep him out of this game. Dad, anything that strikes you as interesting from the Packers side of the injury report, besides obviously, once again, the sheer volume of names on that report? Well, I would say one thing that um, Dylan seems to be trending up, like they gave him some rest and then he's going to start ramping up his participation. I expect him to be able to go. Um. Gary, um, I think Gary and and Clark both had this were limited all week last week with the same injury, so I expect they're going to play as well. Ford coming up with a new injury as the week went on apparently is not a good thing. Never a good sign, especially for a groin soft tissue injury. Doesn't bode well. Yeah, and um, we'll see. I, I think there are going to be a fair number of these players who end up playing. Um, fingers fingers crossed famous last words but i i think so too it seems like a lot of them are limited or some you know just listed right and And they were limited with things that they were limited with last week and played through exactly so fingers crossed hoping for the best they are the packers are coming off you know a little bit of extended rest in comparison to the chiefs so they do have that advantage but chiefs injury report very short um nick bolton uh, is still designated to return from injury reserve. He's still in that 21-day practice window with that wrist injury. He was limited on Wednesday and Thursday. Unclear if he's going to be back for this weekend. Brian Cook's safety, biceps injury, was a full participant Wednesday and Thursday. Jarek McKinnon, uh, their pass-catching running back with a groin injury, did not participate on Wednesday but was limited on Thursday. Sky Moore, receiver, knee injury, full participant Wednesday and Thursday. Rasheed Rice, full participant Wednesday and Thursday with a foot injury. Donovan Smith, their starting left tackle, uh, full participant Wednesday and Thursday with a neck injury. Legereus Sneed, uh, the, one of their starting outside corners with a knee injury, was a full participant Wednesday and Thursday. And then Kadarius Tony, another one of their receivers with an ankle slash hip injury, was also a full participant Wednesday and Thursday. So really the only one of those, the only two of those to keep an eye on are Nick Bolden, who's still in that um, return to practice window, and then Jarek McKinnon with that groin injury, who was limited in practice today. So pretty clean report for the Chiefs. Dad? Anything to say there? Or should we just move on to the rest of the game preview? We can move on to the preview. Yeah, and I'd say the one to most keep an eye on is Bolton to see if he's able to play or not. 
yeah, one of their starting linebackers went healthy, was having a good year until he got hurt. Definitely something to keep an eye on there. But, Dad, moving on to the game preview. Like we said earlier, Sunday night football. It's going to be in Lambeau under the lights. It's going to be very exciting. Kickoff at 7.20 p.m. Central Time. With the current forecast of near freezing at kickoff. Uh, the There's Chiefs- going to be some some snow during the day, but I think it's going to be done before before ah, kickoff. Well, that's a shame. We'll see if that, 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 of course, that could always change this many days out. True. Good amount of days to go. I'm hoping we get a snow globe under the Lambeau lights. Fingers crossed, but... I guess we'll just settle for it to be as cold as possible, maybe. But it sounds like it's only going to be around freezing and nothing too exciting. Uh, the Chiefs are currently favored by six and a half points with an over-under of 42 for an implied score of about 24 to 18. Six and a half points on the road, Dad, is quite the quite the spread for a road team. Although, you know, with the Packers being a little banged up, Chiefs have coming off an impressive win against the Raiders and just generally being the Chiefs. Uh, can't say I'm too surprised, but that is a pretty sizable line on, on the road and with the Packers playing in Lambeau. Yeah. I mean, but, uh, that'd be the equivalent of like nine and a half and they were eight and a half point. Well, of course that's versus a uh, neutral field. Um, yeah. So no, it's true. a, it's a bigger spread than they had essentially against the lions yeah, on a neutral I, field. You know, I guess, I guess we will see, but anyway, dad, Let's move into the rest of our game preview, and let's start with keeping up with the Joneses. We're not talking about Aaron and Caleb. The Chiefs are currently 8-3, second in the AFC and leading the AFC West. Traditionally, they are, uh, or traditional statistics-wise, I should say, they are 11th in points per game at 23.3 and 8th in yards per game on offense at 364.9. And then they are 3rd in points per game allowed at 16.5 and 4th in yards per game allowed at 290. So... Better defense than offense, which is not usually the story in Kansas City. By DVOA per FTN Fantasy, which takes into account opponent's strength, they are 8th in defense. For reference, Green Bay is 18th. Kansas City is 3rd against the pass, but only 27th against the run. And then on offense, they are 5th. 5th in passing, but only 17th in rushing. Uh, And then they are 8th in special teams. Green Bay is down at 30th, for those of you keeping track at home. So Kansas City... Not quite as dominant of an offensive powerhouse as they have been in past years, but a much more well-rounded team than they have had recently with both a top 10 offense and top 10 defense right now per DVOA. Dad, let's move on to your favorite section, though. Hey, now, play nice, where we say a couple of nice things about the opponent. You often bemoan having to do this section and having to say some nice things. (laughs) But perhaps now that we're talking about... I'm just the meanest person ever. Perhaps now that we're talking about an AFC opponent, you know, not, not an NFC North rival, maybe maybe it'll be a little easier for you. But, Dad, what did you have to say nice about the Chiefs in this one? So, as you're we talking about, the Chiefs' defense, especially their past defense, actually, their past defense is really good this year. By by DVOA at FTN Fa- um, Fantasy, they are fourth. So, we already talked about their overall, I think, what was it, uh, what, third against the pass by DVOA overall. But then they are... Kind of well rounded on in the pass defense. They're f- fourth in covering wide receiver ones, third in covering wide receiver threes, seventh in covering tight ends, and twelfth in covering running backs as pass catchers. Their only weakness is covering wide receiver twos. It seems they are also third in adjusted sack rate on defense by uh, DVOA on uh, RBSDM. They're in the top ten. Oh, sorry, sorry, for, sorry. They're fourth in the top. They are in the top ten, but fourth in EPA per dropback on defense, and second in dropback success rate on defense. So they're consistent both on down to down and also not giving up like big explosive plays. 
Um, again, from DVOA, they're also in the top 10 in passes to the middle, passes to the left, passes to the right, passes short, and passes deep. So they're, like they're a very well-rounded team, you know, much more yeah. well-rounded than in years past. Yeah, and, and so some of this might be driven, actually, that they're good everywhere because their pass rush is good. And that's why it's not necessarily that they're covering the whole field, but they're just making it difficult for teams to get to pass at all. Um, uh, on the, the pass rush, Karloftis leads the team in pressures at 47, and Chris Jones is second on the team um, though in, in total pressures, though he has a higher pressure rate and higher PFF pass rush grade than Karloftis. But his 37 pressures is 10th in the league for defensive tackles in pressures, and he has the second uh, most ta- um, sacks um, for uh, um, interior defensive linemen. Their pass rush also gets this like extra boost from their secondary. Trent McDuffie leads all corners in pressures and pass rush um, PFF. They grade. they love bringing him in from the slot and just having yeah. Him so he's he's their main the slot corner and he's yeah been really providing an, an extra boost to their pass rush. Yeah, and we'll talk more about how Steve Spagnolo, their defensive coordinator, loves bringing in extra help on with those rushers, and that's something we'll talk about later. Dad, anything else you wanted to talk about for their defense? Because my thing that I had positive to talk about them is a lot simpler. Yeah, why don't you go on to uh, to yours? It's Patrick Mahomes, Dad. It's Patrick Mahomes. He is Patrick Mahomes. Like even in what I think some would consider a down year, with his team having the third most drops in the league per PFF. And then he is still fourth in EPA per play. And these numbers are per RBSDM again. Fourth in EPA per play. Fifth in success rate. 10th in completion percentage over expectation. And then he's third in PFF grade. He has the lowest pressure to sack rate allowed in the league amongst qualifying quarterbacks. But that's also per PFF. I mean, he's just maybe the most talented quarterback we've ever seen in our lifetime. We've maybe ever seen ever. Like, he is just that good. He's that good every year. He trots out and he's a one man. He could be a one man offense. Like it does not matter who they have out there. As long as it's him and Andy Reid drawing things in the sand. I, right. That's Sco- going to be my positive in seconds. Exactly. So that's the, yeah. that's the positive. And, and I had a note that, that the, the, the chiefs actually lead the league in adjusted sack rate against on offense. And maybe that's just because he's so good at, yeah, you know, he's running so away good from at pressure. avoiding the rush. So good at scrambling, which we'll talk about briefly later. But yeah, that was the positive I had. I think you cannot talk about the Chiefs without talking about Patrick Mahomes, at least in one of the first two or three things you mentioned. It almost feels blasphemous. I know their defense has been insane this year, but it does feel a bit blasphemous for that not to be the 1A point of topic. It's just, it's Patrick Mahomes. But Dad, let's move into... I figured you'd talk talk about him. I know, I know. But let's maybe move into some (laughs) more specifics. It's not actually contrary to keep talking about something if there's this good. No, but let's move into some more specifics, Dad, and let's talk about some things that maybe we're specifically nervous about for this matchup in terms of some things that the the Chiefs do well that maybe the Packers specifically struggle against. Go ahead. Yeah, so obviously I'm worried about the the Chiefs passing attack. In this case, Travis Kelsey against the Packers linebackers. So Kelsey is obviously amazing, and he's still amazing. He leads all... Um, tight ends and receiving grade by PFF, and he's got the second best um, tight end um, score by DVOA. He's first in yards per route run, and second in first downs. And it's like blah 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 blah. Everything he's good at the top in in all metrics, all, all yeah. measurements. He's just he one could of be the, the best tight end of all time, and he's still great. 
Yeah, he he's just I think easily top two tight end all time. To me, it's like him and Gronk, and then Tony Gonzalez just a touchdown from that. But man, just he's like he's just unstoppable. Right. He's unstoppable. So every year. I could, could you could keep listing the various accolades if I you know actually had written them down. But on top of that, Green Bay is only twenty second in the league in covering tight ends this year by DVOA. So I don't. What's the problem here? Yeah, I mean, is there, is there, I, there's a possible problem here. There, there are definitely some and, possible problems, especially with not knowing if Campbell's going to play. Might have, might have yeah. McDuffie, out, Isaiah McDuffie, that is out there again. Um, it's definitely yeah, tough it, because he's just. And the thing is, he he's just always open. Like it's in, he's inexplicably always open. He's like, anytime. how can you forget their number one pass they're, passing they're only option? Real passing threat. But yeah, no, I, I totally agree that he yeah. is someone that I'm nervous about. And, and, then, and I think that he's someone that anyone who plays the Chiefs going into the game, like that's, the, I mean, I'm sure they be, circle Patrick Mahomes first and then they circle Travis Kelsey second. Like the, those yeah. are the two guys. Right. And the reason I think that the Packers have been bad at defending tight ends is none of their linebackers have excelled in coverage this year. All four of their linebackers, in terms of snap count, the top four linebackers, all are just barely above average, like, Low 60s by PFF, with 60 being the average score, um, the average grade. And the coverage by the safeties has also not been great, except for Rudy Ford, who's got it, only one with a grade in the 70s. And Everybody that else doesn't, is, that is doesn't bother me as much, though, because we didn't expect the safeties to be good. No, but it's, it's more about these are the guys who you would normally have covering the tight end. I know, but my point is, like, I'm, well, I was transitioning to say, I, it, may, it is a little disappointing that the coverage from the linebackers has been so poor this year when they've invested substantive amounts of resources into those two into those two linebacker spots with Campbell and you know Campbell's missed some time to injury so there's that and Walker has as well but the fact that they haven't really neither even when they've been out there has played particularly well in coverage is a bit disheartening for me though the things that I'm nervous about the first one is Steve Spagnuolo's game plan because this is what completely flummoxed bamboozled whatever word you want to say really gave Jordan Love a hard time in his first career start back in 2021. Um, I want to preface this with the fact that Love did not have a full week to you know prep for this game. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was declared out with COVID, and so Jordan Love had to start on short notice. So there is that. But these are some stats from his first start ever in 2021 against the Chiefs in Kansas City. These are from PFF. In that game, the Chiefs had 28 pressures, and that's a ton and 10 of those pressures were from non-linemen, so blitzing blitzing players, either linebackers or safeties or deep, some other kind of defensive back. And Love did not respond well. He went 19 of 34 for 190 yards, one touchdown, and one pick, three turnover-worthy plays per PFF. And to his credit, he only took one sack, so there is at least that, but not a good game from him in, t- in terms of they were sending tons of extra rushers. And both him and LaFleur did not seem to be ready for that. And directly after the game, this quote is from 2021 per Ryan Wood, LaFleur said he called way too many long developing plays against zero blitz, and he thought he made things difficult for Love. And this week, he kind of reflected on that game LaFleur did, that is. And this is also per Ryan Wood. Uh, LaFleur reflected back on that game, saying he didn't give Love enough answers versus the zero blitz. And quote, I was more disappointed with myself and my staff than any of our players in that game, end quote. Now, let's fast forward to this year. This year, the Chiefs have the sixth highest blitz rate in the league per pro football reference. Uh, And then PFF has Jordan Love as the 17th best quarterback under pressure this year, which is middle of the pack. But 
He has been pretty good against the Blitz, Blitz so far this year per PFF. A 76.9 grade against the Blitz, which is higher than his 68.7 grade when not blitzed. 59.3% completion percentage, uh, six, six and a half yards per attempt, five touchdowns, no picks. And I really think in recent weeks, he has handled pressure quite well, uh, specifically games against Detroit and Pittsburgh, where he took only one sack to 29 pressures. I thought he was doing a very good job handling two pretty good pass rushes that had given a lot of teams trouble, including the Lions had given them a lot yeah. of trouble in the last time they had gone out there. And he had a couple Houdini plays on some of those as well to to, to avoid the sack. Oh, yes. Big time Houdini plays. And then the second thing that I'm nervous about in this one is Patrick Mahomes' rushing. Um, it's established at this point that the Packers under Joe Barry have not exactly been very good at <laughs> We get stopping. smoked by everybody. We're not Backups, very good. third strings, they come out, it's time to run. Guys are like, oh, we don't need to worry. This guy never runs. Yeah. We're not very Career good. high and run. We're not very good at stopping running quarterbacks. Desmond Ritter, career high in yards. Well, if, if you um, let me, Herbert, if you let me career get high, them, career high in yards. If you let me get to him, I have them all here, and these are just from this year. Justin Herbert, they allowed seventy-three rushing yards to him. Uh, he averages closer to twenty. Um, they allowed a big scramble to Kenny Pickett late in the Pittsburgh Steelers game when we had prepped the whole week talking about how he's not really a threat to run at all. They gave up sixty rushing yards to Fields, thirty-nine rushing yards, and a rushing touchdown to Ritter, and that's just this year. And those are per stat news. Um, you can look back last year, I think, or two years ago, they gave up a ton of rushing yards to Josh Allen. They've given up a ton of rushing yards to Taylor Heineke, I believe it was two years ago. Pretty much any time that a rushing quarterback touches the field against this defense, this Joe Barry defense, they have had a great amount of success. And Patrick Mahomes is running more than he's ever run before in his life, uh, partially probably because receivers are not helping him a ton. And also because, you know, he can do it. We've seen him scramble on the biggest stage. He's currently averaging 27.7 rushing yards per game per pro football reference. He has the second most scrambles in the league this year per PFF, second only to Lamar. Um, he has the sixth most total rushing yards amongst quarterbacks this year. And he's averaging 8.9 yards per carry, which is the most amongst all quarterbacks. Those last two stats are for NFLELO.com. So... That is definitely something that I'm worried about in this one because we've seen even guys that you don't necessarily think of as runners, there's a lot of space out there for them. Wouldn't you say that? But yeah, I mean, we, we were able to turn a uh, backup Ravens quarterback into looking looking like Lamar. Tyler Huntley looked like Lamar against that Joe Barry defense. I mean, it's it's everyone they've tried out there with even like the tiniest shred of like moderate athletic the only rush the only quarterback that can't seem to run around on us was like jimmy garoppolo and jared goff and i'm gonna tell you right now patrick mahomes is more mobile than either of them um but dad what do you think about those anything else that you're nervous for specifically in this matchup or do you want to move on to our next section um let's move on to the next section because i think there'll be some maybe some other things will come up about um how they should actually pass rush against Mahomes yeah. and, and and not not lose discipline and leave the the middle wide open like they did to go because I don't think they'll be able to run him. I don't think um, Brooks is going to be able to run him down and knock the ball out of his hands. We can only dream. But yes, let's move on to some exploitable weaknesses for the Chiefs in this one. Something a little more optimistic, Dad. What did you have for what did you have for us in this one? So despite being really good against the pass, the Chiefs are not as good in defending the run. Um, per RBSDM, their rush EPA per play on defense is second to last in the league. Only the Panthers, who everybody's like so epically bad, everybody like start every fantasy running back against the Panthers. The Chiefs are only better than they are. Um, and their success rate is a little better at 20th in the league. So that means they're probably giving up some explosives as well. If they're, you know, 20th on a down-to-down basis and even worse 
overall in the paper play. So maybe we'll finally get some explosives. We could, we could um, hope. I mean, it have, they have not had a particularly, the Packers, that is, a particularly explosive run game this year. And no. I think without Jones, there's not really an explosive runner on the roster. But eh, you can we can dream. I mean, A.J. Dillon had his longest run of his career this year. He's clearly only getting more explosive year by year, right? Right. And as the year goes on. But yeah, longest of his career. They are, uh, so the Chiefs are also 25th in adjusted line yards on defense. And then 31st in running back yards overall. By PFF, so it's basically everywhere you look at it. By PFF grade, they, are 20, they have the 26th, rank, 26th ranked defense. And they give up the second most yards per attempt to running backs. And they're only ahead of Denver on the season in that regard. And that's because Denver gave up, I don't know how many hundreds to Miami in that 70-point game. Yeah. Yeah, a lot. We're going to go with a lot. So if, we did not research that one. <laughs> so so if we went by, by median, they'd probably be last. Because Denver's only up because only only worse than them because they had this like one crazy outlier game. Yeah, for me, I I 100 agree. I think the problem is we've got a stoppable force versus a movable object in this one because the Packers' run this, game has not been good. We and have I don't, gone through I don't this. See, I was just gonna say I do not see the Packers' interior line getting any push on Chris Jones in this game. I don't care how bad they've been at defending the run. I'm not seeing them moving Chris Jones off the ball, unfortunately. Uh, but, you know, yeah, we, 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 have, we have gone through this song and dance before. It's like, oh, this is our chance for our run game to to get right. It's Maybe another chance time. for a get right game. Maybe this time. But no, for me, the thing that I am looking at as an exploitable weakness of the Chiefs, um, we've already talked about this a bit, is that they really do not have any established pass catchers outside of Travis Kelsey. Uh, these are per pro football reference. We already talked about how they're third in the league in drops. Kelsey leads the team in targets, receptions, yards, touchdowns, first downs, success percentage. Rasheed Rice is a rookie and is second on the team in receiving yards with 527, and he has been coming on a little bit lately. He is still just a rookie, and these are some stats that you pulled, actually. His average depth of target is just 99th in the league amongst wide receivers with 25 targets. They're throwing a lot of screens to him. And after him, it's just Justin Watson, MVS, and Noah Gray. Watson and MVS, these are also some stats that you pulled, are third and seventh in drop percentage in the league. Uh, Second-year, second-round receiver Sky Moore and third-year receiver, second-year in the Chiefs, uh, receiver Kadarius Toney have both really struggled. It's kind of a two-man show with Mahomes and Kelsey. And then Rasheed Rice has had a decent year, but it's a lot of like quick game stuff. So I think that's an exploitable weakness if they can focus some of their energy, uh, more, most of their energy on Kelsey. They still might not be able to stop him. But if they can find a way to stop him or right. slow him down, I think it will go a long way to slowing down the Chiefs passing game. Yes, if they can find a way to build a picket fence around him. Yeah, just double, triple team, bracket, you know. Do whatever they can, and that actually kind of leads us into our next part. Dad, anything else you wanted to talk about with exploitable weaknesses, or should we talk about how we hope the Packers approach this game? Let's go how the how they uh, how we hope they um, approach the game. You want to go first? Sure, I'll go first because it leads right into this. They got to double Travis Kelsey. Uh, we already talked about he's their main weapon. We already talked about how the Packers linebackers have not been good against. Uh, tight ends. We've already talked about Travis Kelsey three, two different times when we we're about to do it a third. Um, I just wanted to add on these stats. He leads all tight ends in the league in receptions per game. We already talked about he leads them in a bunch of other ones. He leads all tight ends in the league in receiving yards per game, and he's second in targets per game. Those are per stat muse. And the Packers, per the football database, have allowed the third most yards per reception to tight ends this year uh, in the NFL. So if he's getting catches, he's going to be getting yards. That's kind of how that's going to go. Um, 
so that is kind of how I hope they approach this one for uh, the Packers defense against the Chiefs offense. Like we said a number of times, you're nervous about Kelsey against our linebackers. Their exploitable weaknesses, they just have Kelsey. It just leads, ties right into the approach has to be take away Kelsey first, make them beat you with other players, and just see what happens. Uh, Dad, what did you have for how you hope the Packers approach well, this game? I want to see a, a repeat of like Devontae Adams counting the number of guys covering him. One, two, three. If that's what it takes, four. if three yeah. or four is what it takes, that's big. <laughs> You can't let you can't let him and Mahomes just alone beat you because they can. So, and they so, will. so here's here's a, a thought you know, experiment slash question: Is it more likely for Kelsey to get more yards per target and cause more damage to your defense if you only have two guys on him than if you leave MVS open down the downfield? I I hate this MVS <laughs> narrative because I actually well, think it's not MVS- even MVS because it's it's the other receivers too are dropping the balls all over the place. I think MVS is actually really good. I think he gets way too much hate for the couple of high-profile drops he has a year. I like this man. He had he was our best receiver in the championship game against Tampa. Go look up the numbers. Yes, he was. People do not remember by, it by by far. He was the Chiefs' best receiver in their championship game last year. He had over a hundred yards, or I believe is that one and not the one before. But he's had multiple amazing games in championship games in. The heat of January, or the cold of January, I guess. The metaphorical <laughs> Depend, heat of January. Depending on, right, the, the metaphorical heats. The pressure. the pressure of January. He's. I think he's a good receiver, and people give him way too much hate. But but my my point stands. they got to take out Kelsey. They're not take out, but they gotta they got to take care of ke- covering Kelsey first. Dad, what do you hope the Packers do in this game? So I want the Packers to try to establish the run. You know, if possible, to try to keep the ball in Mahomes' hands and also take advantage of the weakest part of their defense. In particular, I think there are places to try to run in the field. Um, Derek Nadi, I think maybe sometimes is their worst interior run defender, so maybe try to run at him. Their edges are also not that great against the run. They they both have uh, um, Karloftis and and Dana are both below average, so it could be an advantage to run maybe off tackle behind Tom or inside behind Jenkins, depending on how they line up. Some of this will also depend on if Bolton is not activated for the game. He's been their best run defending linebacker. But if he has to sit out there, we may actually finally be able to get some success running outside in this game. And maybe this is a game to get more running plays for um, Jane Reed. Again, yeah, he yeah. seems I to have the most expo- um, chance for explosive. Um, he seems to be the only guy in the who run can game. get positive yards running outside. <laughs> like we can't, we can't run outside the tackles unless we're giving it to Reed. It seems like at least at this so point, right that now. that may be the strategy is to uh, have have Reed carry the ball more out of the back uh, on uh, design plays. Wouldn't hate it at all. But Dad, let's move on to our next section as we kind of you know go through these last ones. Don't take your eye off that guy. These are players that we think will either have big games or we think that their performance will dictate how the game goes. So, Dad, who did you have in this one? So, I have, we, we mentioned him already, Chris Jones. Um, how much pressure he can generate inside may be a huge determinant in the outcome of this game. And if he ends up, like, often lining up over, like, Myers or Runyon, I'm going to be, I'm going to be worried. Yeah, that's going to be worrying. That's definitely going to be worrying. And I had a very similar thought process and my pick was Zach Tom. Um he's gonna have a lot of matchups against Chris Jones. Chris Jones lines up at the edge a decent amount for them. Or not edge, but lines up against the tackle a good amount for them. 
Um, they kick him out there on obvious passing downs, uh, and they rush him from the edge, and he's a very good edge rusher somehow, as well as it's being a dominant interior defensive lineman. Um, and so I think, you know, on the inside, you can do some... You can give some... Have the center and the guard take him, honestly. I think he might still beat Runyon and Myers combined. But at least you got two guys he on be, him. He wouldn't be the first. I know, but I, I do think, you know, I, I'm keeping an eye on Tom and how much time he has to spend matched up against Chris Jones specifically, and if he can at least not, you know, fully lose those matchups, I guess is where I'm looking at. And I think that's going to be a tough matchup for him in those scenarios where he does have to face Chris Jones one-on-one is something I'm keeping my eye on. Dad, overtime. What have we not talked about yet that you haven't gotten a chance to discuss? So one thing that I wanted to mention is that though Mahomes isn't getting sacked that much as a manager escape. And and the Chiefs' interior O line is really good. Like their their guards are like their their blocking grades are up near the top of the league. And their center Humphrey, as we people might have heard his name mentioned before in Packerland, he's like third or fourth in the league in pass blocking. Should have been Packers center Creed Humphrey. However, their two offensive tackles, Jawan Taylor and especially Donovan Smith, are kind of the weak links in their pass protection. They are currently in in. PFF pass blocking grade, the 41st, 41st tackle and 60th. So essentially they've got their best tackle is below what you'd predict for the worst number one tackle in the league. And then their second best tackle is near the bottom of a number two tackle in the league. So that's their weak point. So this, I think, may be an opportunity for some pressure from Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith. But don't lose contain don't dive inside and, and yeah i think they have to do like kind of the slope pressure up the middle collapse the pocket from the outside but trying to pin him inside and not let yeah. him run around the other thing and with mahomes improvise is you can't blitz mahomes either like it's a recipe for disaster to blitz that guy they're gonna have to find a way to win up front with four and maintain rush lane integrity because like we we're talking about, he will run. He's running more than ever this year, and it's super dangerous. So it, it's just so hard to beat this guy. It's so hard to beat this guy. I think about yeah. often how like happy I am that we're in the NFC and like he's in the AFC, and we don't need to like get through him every year. He's isn't it? He has never not made the AFC Championship game in his career. As That's kind of crazy. He has never not made the AFC Championship game. Insane. His his worst it. his worst finish in any season. Is the like AFC Championship yeah. game. Crazy. Crazy to think about. He's just, he's different. He's built different. Um, but dad, anything else you wanted for our overtime section? So I had another thing I wanted to talk about. It's like, recently though, the Chiefs defense is in a little bit of a lull. Over the last three weeks, they have not been as strong. They're only 16th in EPA per play and 15th in EPA per dropback since week nine. So weeks 10, 10 and on. And meanwhile, that same time, Green Bay is fourth in the league in EPA per play on offense and third in EPA per dropback on offense. So maybe we're going to luck out on the timing if uh, yeah. Kansas City doesn't quite right the ship. You know what they say. Sometimes it's better to be uh, better to be lucky than good. And, and, yeah, or, and they say yeah. it's, it's, it's not necessarily always who you play, but when you play them. Also, yes. I, hey, let's just throw out some, you know, some metaphors, some idioms. Right. Any other like little aphorisms and uh, <laughs> colloquial colloquial metaphor? You know. Yeah. You know, 
we'll just keep throwing those throwing those things up against the wall, and one of them is bound to be right because yeah. you can find one of those things for anything. Exactly. But no, I I I do think you know an offense that's trending up and a defense that's maybe hitting a bit of a lull might just be the recipe that the Packers need to win this game. But Dad, as we talk about what the Packers might need to win this game, let's transition over to the <laughs> bottom line. Uh, Dad, Kansas City wins if blank. Um, if the Packers O-line can't give love enough time to get the ball out and, and they give up a bunch of sacks and pressures, I just don't see how they could win in that scenario based on how it went how, last time. How, <laughs> right, and how the how rest of the game. Yeah. Though they actually almost, they, they had, a, they had the know. ball with a chance well, to take the lead, which is remember, kind of shocking. The defense if, played I, the greatest game I've ever seen a Packers defense play in my lifetime, except for maybe that divisional game against the Niners that year. Or in twenty 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 one that like that one in the Chiefs game might be the two greatest defensive yeah. performances I've seen the Packers play. So if we get a game where we have the ball at the end with a chance to win, I'll be happy. Yeah, no, they, they will have held their own for sure. Um, for me, I said the Packers win. It, uh, or sorry, Kansas City wins if the Packers don't have a plan for the blitz again. Which I can't imagine they the Packers. I'm going to change that to the Packers don't have a good plan for the blitz uh, because they're going to need to be prepared. Um, Spagnola is going to send extra guys, and he's definitely going to do it after he saw how it went last time and how well it worked. You're going to have to prove to him that you can handle it, or he's just going to. This is what he does. If if he sends extra guys and you look flustered, he's going to do it until you like make him stop. He will. He is just going to send six to five to seven guys every single time until he you prove you can handle it. So they need to prove they can handle it early. And if they don't, I think Kansas City wins. Dad, the Packers win if blank. Well, I just want to comment on that. It's like that's just like football one hundred and one. If yeah. you find a, a, a team's weakness, Hammer. you just beat it into the ground but until the they is, prove that they they can they can handle it. A surprisingly few number of teams, I feel like, actually do that. They get start to the get Packers cute. Being, like, Packers being one of the ones who failed to do that. Yes, they get cute. They're like, oh, they're expecting that. It's like, yeah, they're expecting it. They expected it the last five times, too, and it didn't change anything. <laughs> just keep hitting them. Uh, but yeah, Packers It's like game. you find out a guy can't hit a curveball. Why? Like, well, just just keep throwing it. He's expecting the curveball now. I've thrown it four times. Yeah, he's swung <laughs> it four times in a row. Come on, man. <laughs> um, but, Dad, Packers win if blank. Um. Love has the same kind of success against the Chiefs defense that he had against Detroit. This Chiefs defense, offense is not really that high power this year, and they have struggled to find a consistent threat at wide receiver, especially downfield. I think, um, just consi- a consistent threat. So if they can put up numbers like they did against Detroit, I think they got a good chance. Okay, and I said the Packers win if they can force a couple of turnovers. I think this is the type of game where you're going to need to win the turnover battle to win it. Um, they were, you know. They were able to get some fourth down stops. It's hard to reference that Chiefs game that was two years ago. The only relevance it has now is that Love played in that game. But two years ago is a long time. But I guess my point is more so they're going to need to find a way to force turnovers, get some short field position like they were able to do against the Lions. That's what that's how you beat teams that are better than you. Is you you get some short field positions, you get the ball to bounce your way a couple of times, and then I think that's what what they're going to have to do to beat the Chiefs in this one. Dad, let's wrap things up here. Score prediction. What do you got? So, after saying all that, I have, I still have the Chiefs winning twenty three to seventeen. So I'm almost, I'm pretty close to uh, on the the line here in both the over under and the and the spread. Yeah, and I promise I did not look at yours before making my prediction, but I have Kansas City twenty four, Green Bay seventeen. 
I think, you know, Green Bay hangs around in this one. They, I think Green Bay is going to have the ball late with a chance to tie, but I think the Chiefs defense just might be a little too much for them in this one. Uh, but yeah, so Kansas City 24, Green Bay 17. I, you know, Kansas City is just a better team. This is the toughest game they have left on their schedule, the Packers do. Uh, coming off like an emotional win against Detroit, you know, I think it's going to be a bit of a letdown, but it's not going to, it's not at all like a death knell for their season. They could still lose this game. And if they win out, they could still be in prime position to possibly have a spot in the playoffs. So as long as they look competitive in this game, I think I'll be happy with how it went. I just, just don't get, you know, just, just don't get embarrassed. Just be competitive in this game. Jordan Love, I hope the biggest thing is how Jordan Love looks in this game. And if he can carry over some of the success he had the past four weeks into this one against what is a top flight defense, despite them having a bit of struggles in the past three weeks, like you detailed. I think the biggest thing I'm watching for in this game is how he looks. Because if he can continue to stack good weeks, and honestly, if he closed out the rest of the year like this and they didn't make the playoffs, I'd be fine with that too. Like, obviously, I'd prefer to make the playoffs. But the biggest thing is how Jordan Love looks. But, Dad... Yeah. And, and he's actually performing a lot better under pressure than um, he he had been in the past. Yes. His ability to I escape agree. pressure, make off-platform throws at strange arm angles to find somebody open he's and, and throw in the move. He's actually doing a much better job. And hopefully, I think, I don't know what LaFleur was thinking in that last game, but perhaps he's learned something too. You mean that um, last game is in the 2021 Chiefs game? I mean, he yes. he came out and said himself that he did not think that he had done enough he as like a head coach. did not game. actually seem to prepare for having a, you know, first-time starter quarterback yeah. in that game. Yeah. Um, and I was looking at these score predicts. You said you didn't look at mine. It's like, mine looks like, I did like the price is right. I bet under you by yeah, $1. Right under me. It's, that's okay. That's fine. <laughs> or, I'm not about it. So we'll see. Well, the, the, you could say either strategy. You're like, you capped me by one. That yeah, can only, although, I can only win, if, I, yeah, I can I only win say, if I'm right on. If you were playing the price is right rules, uh, you would have been playing yeah. them wrong. <laughs> you would right. have been playing to no, lose. I, I would play, but, but but you did go for a seconds. Like, you like, there's $1 more. Yeah, just, uh, <laughs> just a little bit more. But anyway, this has been the Father Son Packers podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Like we said earlier, I think I'm like not playing you, Price is Right. I know, right? Like, like we said earlier, if you liked what you heard here today, come give us a follow on Twitter at Father Son Packer. We tweet out when we have new episodes out, articles we find interesting, pieces of Packers news, stats we find during our time uh, researching for these episodes. So, you know, come check us out on there. And then subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We even put all our episodes out on YouTube as well. You can check them out there. But anyway, thank you again so much for listening. We will be doing a post game for this podcast. Uh, for this game coming up on sunday we'll probably record that on monday night and we'll have that out to you on tuesday so keep your eyes out for that and we'll be doing two episodes a week every day of the rest of the season pre-games and post-games for every single game and then during the off season we do one episode every single week talking about the draft how we think people perform that year free agency etc etc so you know come hit that subscribe button come hang out with us come follow the packers with us we love talking green bay come comment on any youtube videos and we'll you know tell us tell you our thought presses tell you what we think about how the packers are playing We'll give you our unfiltered comments and opinions because that's the only kind of comments and opinions we have. But anyway, thank you again so much for listening. And until next time, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.